Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 496. As part of our science literacy series from the National Science Foundation, our guest today is head of the Directorate for Social, Behavioral, and Economic Sciences at NSF, Dr. Arthur Lupia. Dr. Lupia has been on the show previously and is a popular guest with you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Dr. Lupia always has such fascinating news and research from NSF to share with us, and today is no exception. For all of you who are unfamiliar with NSF, its mission is to promote the progress of science, to advance the national health, prosperity, and welfare, to secure the national defense. So important, vital work. Dr. Arthur Lupia and his great team at NSF do this work creatively, and today we'll learn about three current NSF-funded programs where creativity is certainly at work in a big, important way, making people's lives safer with science. I want to jump right into this with Dr. Lofia, so please join me in welcoming back to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Dr. Arthur Lupia from the National Science Foundation. Dr. Arthur Lupia, welcome back to the program. So great to talk to you again. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Paul, and uh, I- I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to good to connect always. I uh, I enjoy our conversations. Uh, I know you are a busy guy, so we're going to have a good conversation, of course, about uh, National Science Foundation and all that's going on there. But I but I have to ask you. I'm hoping you're well. It sounds like you're good. I'm hoping that your family's well and you guys are staying healthy with all of this uh, quarantining and uh, social distancing and everything we're facing right now. Absolutely. You know, we are. Um we're just grateful for every day that we have an opportunity to be together. We are grateful for all the people, including you and so many of your listeners, who are helping their families and helping their communities. Because, you know, the way that we get through challenges like this is is together. And so, you know, the main feeling that we have is of gratitude. And, you know, one of the great things about being at a place like NSF is we get to pair that with service. And so every day, the amazing people that I work with we're trying to figure out how to improve quality of life for people. Uh, and so uh, the, I guess, you know, gratitude to, to all of your listeners, really, uh, for the things I know they're doing to, to help one another. Well, thank you, Dr. Lupia. Uh, you know, well said. And, and you always have such a wonderful way about you. I, I, I'm excited to talk to you about this. I, I love the subject of National Science Foundation and all the wonderful things that you're doing because I know this matters. It, it matters to us. It certainly matters to my audience. And, um, and I'd like to just jump into it. I want to I talk a little bit about some of the, the, the recent uh, NSF uh, rapid research that's going on because I found one study uh, about 3D tracking of human interactions. And I just thought this was just something I wanted to know more about. I know my listeners are going to want to know more about this. I'm hoping you'll get into this, in particular some of the details, because the numbers are impressive here than just the the sheer magnitude of people that have been talked to, the the records that have been documenting their behavior around COVID, all of this stuff within New York City that's been really dealing with this epidemic. And and so tell us about this wonderful research. And I think what's going to be really equally important is to hear why the research is important and how this makes us safer. Yeah, that, that is a great question, Paul. So, you know, just starting from the top, we have amazing intellectual firepower in this country. And the and what we've learned in the last seven or eight months is how many of them were willing to really redirect the research they were doing to not just advance science, but to try and be helpful right now. So 
what this group was studying, it's, it's uh, Deborah Lafer's team at NYU, you know, we're concerned about how the virus spreads. And, you know, at one level, the virus spreads by people moving around, walking around, bumping into each other, getting a little too close and, and things of that nature. And these simple acts of getting together or not, of touching things or not, are a huge part of why our lives are disrupted. Uh, you know, there's the pathogen is doing one thing to us, right? It attacks our physical health. But so many of the impacts on businesses and jobs and education and mental health are because of what happens now when we try to get close to other people again. So research like a uh, team at NYU and others are, are trying to figure out, well, how do we empower people and empower communities and empower the nation to respond more effectively? So the research from her lab is, is really great. It's a collaboration, if you will, between social science and engineering with some computer science thrown in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The analogy I want to use is like, you know, most of us on this call are, are we remember the old TVs. Mm -hmm. You know, you had the antenna and the, you had the little ghost image and you had to move it around. And imagine you were trying to understand the pandemic with one of those TVs. And then all of a sudden somebody says, wait a minute, I can bring you an 80 inch 4D uh, image of everything we're looking for. Maybe we can understand things better with this level of precision. That's in effect what she has offered us in the last six months. So um, they're focused on hospitals. They were looking at 19 hospitals and urgent care centers in the New York City area. And they are recording in incredible detail all the places where people move in and around the hospital and where they go and who they get close to and what they touch. As you were saying, the scale of what they've recorded in little 20 minute segments is just incredible. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea that maybe I go into a hospital. What do I touch? What do I touch after the door? Do I touch a trash can after a door? Do I touch a door after a trash can? When I leave the hospital, do I touch a guardrail? Do I, when I go to the metro or the subway, you know, what do I touch there? Do I come back to the hospital after I've touched the subway? And this is so critical because the, the things we get close to and the things we touch are in effect how the pathogen spreads. So that's the first thing that they did, mm -hmm. which is incredible. And then they started mixing it into computer models of the areas uh, that we study, because we have these, these models of, of hospitals and things of that nature, mixing with weather and things we know about the demographics of the area to try and not just understand behavior and what they found is incredible, but also to inform us about how to rebuild environments like hospitals and then later maybe schools and churches and supermarkets to make them safer so we can still kind of be together where it's safe and we can interact in ways that help human health, but be able to build environments that recognize that we touch a lot of things we don't realize. <laughs> I know I pay an awful lot of attention to my my mobile phone as I'm out wandering around, and so I imagine that's probably high on the list. But I guess one of the things that jumped out at me, too, was just, and, and the nature of this particular funding is rapid research. And so you're really, the idea here, uh, I think her, her name is Dr. Lafer, is that right? That's correct. She's really doing this in extreme high definition, but also in extremely fast time. This is real-time rapid modeling going on, and that's so crucial too. So maybe tell us why this part of it, the rapid modeling is so important so that we understand and track this disease as it's spilling out as fast as it, it is. Yeah, thank you for asking that question. You know, a lot of times in science, particularly the types of science that we fund at NSF, which is the real basic hardcore fundamental science, takes a long time for that research to turn into a new uh, treatment or a new device or a new way of doing things. 
But with the RAPID program, what we encourage researchers to do is say, if you have a research design that can not just advance science, but by collecting the data right now, you can create opportunities and learn things that we can only learn by doing it right now, uh, we have a funding lane for you. And if you give us, send us a great proposal with details about how you're going to do it and what the public benefit is, we will fund it. And so we put out this call when the pandemic started. And the response that we got from the scientific community, from scholars all over the country, was really amazing. And hers is just one example, right? I mean, she already knew how to collect detailed information on how people move. But to be able to pivot to, all right, let's look at hospitals, let's look at urgent care facilities so we can understand right now, you know, where do we put the signs and where do we put the plexiglass? And maybe the next time we build a hospital, where do we put the doors and the hallways and things of that nature? Because in a hospital, you do need to move and, and, and people do need to get close to each other at times to provide healthcare. And so a study like hers really helps us understand, okay, how do we build things so that we can help each other more effectively? The RAPID program has given her the ability not just to collect this data right now in the middle of a pandemic, but for, for her team to release not just their results, but the data so that other people can look at it and say, okay, well, maybe this applies in, in our hospital. Maybe we can use this at our urgent care center. So the speed at which she has been able to do this is just incredible. And the public implication of that speed is great. Like we have access to her insights right now. Mm. I imagine those transmission models themselves are fascinating to look at. We'd love to have you back at some point and talk about some of the some of the public health decision-making that's going on as a result of some of those models. But I wanted to, I know you are so busy and I wanted to jump in and talk for a second about, I mentioned the mobile phone use and another bit of research that uh, NSF has sponsored has to do with text messaging. And I think that this is also something that's fascinating as we as we exhibit during you know, pandemics and, and, and other situations as we exhibit various behaviors, we are using these devices. We're getting a hold of people. We're telling them kind of where we uh, stand with regard to our emotional state and our physical state. So this particular research talks about adherence to some of the preventive behaviors that have been circulated. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about it because I think this is also important stuff. And there's actually some results here too, I believe, that you can share with us. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking about this study. So, so the one thing we know is that the spread of the disease depends on human choices. You know, do we wash our hands or not? Do we keep a distance from others or not? Do we travel to the store or to other places or not? Do we report symptoms as soon as we see them or not? So at some level, we now know as a society that these behaviors are important, but we also know in many places we don't see the kinds of behaviors that are best for human health. So at NSF, you know, we want to fund things that have a really big impact. And we were approached by people who we have funded before, who coincidentally also won the, the, the most recent Nobel Prize in economics mm. as of a few days ago. So these are Nobel Prize winners who mm. came back to us and said, we have an idea for a study that we think can have a big impact. So the basic question of their study is really simple. It's like, could a simple text message improve health outcomes? And you're thinking, well, well how could that happen? Like, well, we're going to run the first version of this experiment in India. So they focused on the state of West Bengal. And West Bengal is really interesting because the state alone has a population of 91 million people and about 60 million people have cell access. At the same time, the state of West Bengal, particularly early in the pandemic, they were really having trouble encouraging the behaviors that slow COVID. 
So one of the Nobel Prize winners, Abhijit Banerjee, it turns out he is from West Bengal. And as by virtue of winning the Nobel Prize, he's a celebrity there. Hmm. So what they did is they cut eight different versions of a video, two and a half minutes, featuring him. Uh, but the eight different uh, versions were, were systematic. That is, some mentioned hand-washing and some didn't. Some mentioned distancing and some didn't. Some mentioned the importance of protecting elderly people and some didn't. So the eight messages were different uh, in a systematic way. Then the very cool thing that they did, and this is cooperation with, uh, with uh, one of the phone companies in India, they sent the text messages to 28 million people wow. in West Bengal, right? And the great thing is they knew which parts of the state were getting the different messages. So they were randomly assigning, like, let's say, message version one to the northern part of the state and message version two to the southern part. After that, they collected health and behavior information from the places that the messages were sent. Hmm. And as you mentioned, the, the results are astounding because we're talking about one, two and a half minute message. In a week, the uh, health centers reported a doubling in reporting of symptoms. Now, some of that had to do with the pandemic spreading, but it wasn't doubling in size right, over time. Another thing is you saw seven to 10% increases right within one week of distancing, of like not going to other cities and of hand washing. They also found evidence that people forwarded the text. So people who hadn't gotten them directly, right, but were in areas where people had been sent the message were also improving their behaviors. So the effect of this simple message, and I'll say this grant from NSF was $200,000, changed the behaviors of millions of people, right? Now, there are interesting things about India that allow you, and other, there are other organizations that also contributed uh, funding to that idea. But what we've learned from that, now they and other people are running similar experiments in other countries, including the U.S., where you take a trusted person, you run variations of a message, and they just say, you know, uh, can we be kind to one another? Mm -hmm. Can we wash hands to, to see where and how they have these effects? Because if something like this works, these messages, two and a half minute phone video, are pretty simple to create and really inexpensive. And what this work shows is if you do it the right way, they can make a huge difference. Thank you for reviewing that. I, I, I just think this is fascinating stuff. One of the things that I thought was so important, especially to my audience who are often uh, isolated, and especially now during COVID, I thought that this idea, this notion that, in fact, some of the messages might address concerns about ostracism or isolation of the infected people was so powerful, too. It's a, perhaps a simple reminder, but it's still stay in touch, communicate, let us know how you're doing, and most definitely check on one another. I, I think that's a powerful message, Dr. Lupia. That was a big part of the design. Um, you know, there were concerns in India that people who either had the disease or had family members uh, who had the disease, you know, would be ostracized, would be sort of kept away from things. And, you know, under ordinary circumstances, it, you know, that, that's a, a bad thing to happen for individuals and communities. But in the middle of the pandemic, it can just be devastating, not just for the physical and mental health of the people who are affected, but of communities as a whole, right? It's just the, the tension of, of, of having, you know, uh, this division happening at the same time as a pandemic. So messages like the ones they were creating have real potential, not just to encourage great behaviors, but really to bring communities together. Mm -hmm. Great work. We are, of course, with Dr. Arthur Lupia. Dr. Arthur Lupia is the Directorate for Social, Behavioral, and Economic Sciences at the National Science Foundation. 
Dr. Lupia, we always appreciate your time. I really just have one other question for you. I want to talk a little bit about media. A little bit of mea culpa here. I, I think there's some good things that media does. We, of course, are trying to share messages about all the wonderful things that NSF is doing with our audience. And I believe that the media is a critical source of information, uh, especially during these times when we're faced with so much ambiguity and, and ongoing uh, issues from the from the pandemic. But the pandemic has not hit all communities equally. And um, mental health services right now are facing some some real difficult issues, stress and uh, depression. So maybe talk about this most recent uh, rapid uh, grant money that NSF has uh, provided and the work that's being done perhaps at, at UC Irvine uh, and, and maybe what some of the outcomes are and how this work is making people's lives safer. Yeah, thank you for asking about this. So, so the work that we're talking about is there's an amazing scholar named Roxanne Cohen-Silver uh, at UC Irvine. And for a long time, she's done really groundbreaking work about mental health. Uh, not just at the individual level, but when you have large and traumatic events like 9-11 or SARS, um, how it's not just individuals that, that, that can suffer, it's communities. And she, as you mentioned, she, she mentioned that sometimes media presentation, that is sensationalism of these events, uh, can take a bad situation and make it a lot worse. So Dr. Cohen Silver has been doing amazing work in this domain for a long time. But when COVID uh, came along and we put out the call for rapids, like, can anyone help right now? She came in with this new design. So she had, she, she had already been doing this work and she came to us with a shovel ready concept. You know, effectively I can get started tomorrow. So she had a group of 5,000 people from all across the country who she had been interviewing for, for years about their mental health. And now she was able to recalibrate what she was doing to really focus on, okay, how are you being affected by COVID? personally, in your family, in your community, and so forth. Um, and what she has found is really incredible and important. So there's a few levels. For individuals, the main effect of COVID, you know, it's been hard on everybody, but it has really widened the gap in terms of the challenges of mental health. In other words, if you had a stressor in your life before COVID, all else constant, the effect of COVID on your mental health is much worse on average than the effect of someone who didn't have those stressors. So, so that's really important to know because you know when people get in trouble, they go for help and that's such a great part of our society. But when they go to doctors and hospitals now, those doctors and hospitals are also having COVID patients. So you both have the load on the hospital and you have the safety issues for people with mental health if they're in the same places with people with COVID. So the work that she's done to really identify what are the implications of COVID for people who were already having challenges and how might we approach them differently in terms of when, when you try to give care and aid? What are the things we can learn when we have to switch counseling from an in-person situation to an online situation? The types of things that she is finding at the individual level are so critical for understanding that. And then she gets to the collective trauma, this notion of how our mental health changes when we all experience a traumatic event at the same time, how for some people it can reinforce and make it worse. On the one hand, that is bad news, right? I mean, but it is important for us to know because at the end of the day, we all need to lift our, each other out of this. A science is going to be a big part of it, but so is, you know, really taking care of one another. Mm -hmm. Mental health is, is in many ways at the intersection of this need to take care of one another and science. 
and what Dr. Cohen Silver's work is really showing are what we're facing in terms of mental health right now, the new curveball that COVID throws at us. But her work shows, okay, here are ways that we can intervene more effectively to help more people, um, you know, as soon as they need it. Again, fascinating work. We're going to put links up to where our audience can find out more information about some of this NSF rapid research, as well as more information about Dr. Arthur Lupia, who is serving as the head of the Directorate for Social, Behavioral, and Economic Sciences at the National Science Foundation. Dr. Lupia, thank you as always for your time today. I'm excited to have ongoing conversations with you about this because it it is important work and um, these stressors, they're, they're out there for all of us need to be aware of them. And uh, I think that does help in prioritizing its importance and dealing with them. So thank you so much for your work. Thank you for your team's work at NSF. And thanks so much for your time, for your generous time today, Dr. Lupia. Thank you, Paul. And, and I just want to take a moment to thank you for drawing attention to these issues and all the really important issues that you you bring attention to on your program. It's a real service. I'm a fan of your show. What you do to, to bring important issues to light, the, the preparation that you do and the, and the way that you communicate, you're, you're really an asset to, to so many of us. And I want to thank you for what you do. Well, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you as well. And my best to you and your family and your team there at the National Science Foundation. But be well, Dr. Lupia. We'll be catching up to you again very soon. Thank you, sir. Take care. My thanks to Dr. Arthur Lupia, head of the Directorate for Social, Behavioral, and Economic Sciences at the National Science Foundation. More details about Dr. Lupia, his team, and his work at NSF are available in the show notes today. My thanks as well to the fine folks at NSF who always help make the show a success. And of course, my thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Be safe, everyone. Practice smart social distancing and talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.